All right, so Jerry Maguire, right? No, fuck Jerry Maguire. No? No. I know we said we were going to watch Jerry Maguire, but I think that the content would just then be me yelling, show me the money. Is that a quote or is that, are you just mad that like you haven't gotten paid yet? Both. Okay, fair. I heard rumors that more money was going to be coming through from sponsorships. Didn't really happen. Haven't seen an uptick there. Who did you hear the rumors from? Well, you. Oh, well, I heard them from Glenn. Why would you even share that with me then? I don't know. Rumors are like, they're fun. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but. Oh my God. We're not watching Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise, he's this short dude. He runs around. He thinks he's super cool and talks about how he married Katie Holmes that one time. And dude is definitely in the closet. Like, just tell us, dude. Everyone's okay with it. He won't do that in this movie because I think it's from the 90s, but I'm not a huge fan of pre-Minority Report Tom Cruise, which is a great movie, by the way. But I feel like anything in the 80s and 90s, like, have you ever seen Rain Man? No. Okay. Well, that's the one that won an Oscar. I think Dustin Hoffman won an Oscar. We've established that's exactly why I haven't seen it. Right. The Oscars are stupid and anything that wins the Oscars or is nominated is going to be terrible. I mean, I've tried to watch Rain Man three times and it's just Tom Cruise talking so fast and being such a jerk. And it doesn't even matter if he's redeemed by the end. It's just not interesting. So, I I mean, I'm okay skipping Jerry Maguire just because I'm afraid it's another Rain Man. I mean, we should just. Yeah. It's a Friday, right? Feel good Friday. Can we just have some fun? I would love that. Can we watch something that we will like? I hope so. I mean, we can pick something that we might like. I can just open up Netflix and we can pick something else. Have we ever done a comedy? I don't think so. I'm looking in the comedy section too. Is that John Favreau? What is Chef? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, look at that. It's got ScarJo, Sofia Vergara. Ooh. Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr.? Jr.? What? I'm in. And it's got some great Italians. John Leguizamo, Bobby Cannavale, and he's not Italian, but Dustin Hoffman. And this is a comedy. I I mean, I think we have to watch this. I think we do. So Rain Man out, chef in. Let's do it. Let's cook. That was bad. We like watching movies, ones we've never seen. So we made a podcast to help pass quarantine. We'll watch any genre and add ones till the end. So listen to our podcast and tell all of your friends. Well, we like watching movies, ones we've never seen. Way too much, way too much. Welcome, everybody, to We've Never Seen It, the podcast where a couple of cool dudes watch a movie and talk about it. And the twist is that we've never seen it before. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyways, glad you're here for yet another episode. Is that really a twist, though? Because, like, we titled the podcast We've Never Seen It. Oh, you're right. We're not, like, being M. Night Shyamalan on here. Yeah. Just wanted to establish that. Yes. So it's not a twist. You probably saw that coming. My name is Artie. And I'm Louie. What's up, Louie? Real quick, if uh, this is your first time joining us, welcome. Don't forget to follow us on social media, on Instagram. You can also find us on Letterboxd. What is that? That's the social media app for movies. We've logged in a few times, and I it's been a while, but we're on Letterboxd, if you're into that. We've logged in a few times. <laughs> I feel like every time I plug our social media, I tell you that we're on another platform and you're like, what is that platform? There needs to be one platform that has all the platforms on it. Someone get on that. Yeah. So Letterbox, not the same as Redbox. 
Oh my god. There's too many boxes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get into any of them. Speaking of boxes, leave us a voicemail in our mailbox at anchor.fm slash we've never seen it. We actually have some voicemails this time and we'll listen to those after the break. Cool. Today, we are very excited. We are going to watch Chef, which I'm thrilled about because I saw Jon Favreau just looking super happy. We both love Jon Favreau. We do. It's a movie about a world-renowned chef who gets one bad review and absolutely flips his shit. He is one of the last people on Earth who has heard about Twitter, probably like me. He makes a series of crucial mistakes that bring him infamy but not respect. After quitting his job, he learns about life, Cuban sandwiches, his son, social media, and the importance of food trucks in our economy. I mean, these are hard-hitting topics, but I'm looking forward to it. It looks like, you know, a light comedy, feel-good Friday. I think we just want to relax. I don't think we want to push ourselves too hard. I know that your doctor, Louis, after Space Jam, said that you need to keep your blood pressure low. Yes, which I have not been doing. I need to watch my diet, and this movie will not help. Nope, Cuban sandwiches, a lot of ham, a lot of bread. But uh, I'm excited. I know we looked at Rotten Tomatoes because we had no idea what this movie was, and the scores were very good. It was an 87% for the critic score, and it was an 85% for the audience score. That's like the first time I've ever seen those that level. Yeah, they're both really high, and they agree, and that's kind of unusual. Um, I'd love to play a little game. You know, I know we're both casual investors in uh, various stonks. And, you know, I'd love to play a game of bull or bear on this movie. I mean, we can see the underlying indicators, 87 critics, 85 audience. Are you bullish or bearish about this movie? Well, I'll preface by saying this is not investment advice. I've done my DD and I am bullish. I think the writing's on the wall here. John Favreau, right? Look at his resume. As a writer, director, executive producer... This is the man who brought us Elf, Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, Mm -hmm. The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett. Oh, and by the way, all of the Avengers movies. Right, he was the EP on that, right? Yeah, this dude is awesome. This dude can get it. Yeah, definitely has a touch as a writer, director, as an actor. I mean, he was in I Love You, Man, right? And I remember he was like the super (laughs) unlikable. He was a raging douchebag. Yeah. Gets puked on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I remember hating him. And now I'm just like, wow, it takes a lot to make a rare acting appearance as a total jerk and just like own it. So I'm going to agree with you. I am bullish. Got a strong critic score and a strong audience score. Great cast. This might be one of those movies where we both end up liking it, which is kind of rare. You can't look at an aggregator of reviews and decide if you're going to see the movie or not. Right. What it does tell you is the type of movie that it might be. Sometimes you get movies with like high critic score and low audience score. That to me is like musically the equivalent of Frank Zappa. Critics, music nerds love it. If you play Frank Zappa for 100 normal music listeners, like a small fraction will be like, this is cool. And the rest will be like, what are you doing? And then on the other side, you've got Nickelback. It's going to be low critic score, but 80% of people are going to be like, yeah, whatever. This is fine. Nickelback's cool. What? Dude, no. Nobody likes Nickelback. Uh, People? Nickelback sucks. I mean, I feel like we're in a bit of a bubble, and I know that we would never put that on at a party. Nickelback is shit rock. Dude, I agree. That's the genre. I know, but a lot of people like them. Like, they're a big deal, so... Name one person who likes Nickelback. I can't name one... you know that likes Nickelback? Name one person that likes Nickelback? How about this? According to BMG... What is that? Some sort of authority. I don't know. Ah, yes. BMG, the experts. Well... (laughs) 
Let's assume that Starting this isn't just strong. totally made up. Nickelback is the 11th best-selling musical act of all time. They're the second best-selling foreign, in quotes, group behind only the Beatles. So where are they from? They're from Canada. Oh, no. Yeah, no. dude. Get them out of here. Come on. Nickelback sucks. Are they popular in Canada? Is that okay. why? Well, it's like Nickelback, Celine Dion, Michael Buble, Rush, Bare Naked Ladies. Okay, Rush is good. Bare Naked Ladies are also good. Yep. Nickelback is not. Michael Buble also like moms love him. So the RIAA, which is the, that is a legit institution. 178 million album sales. That's disgusting, but it's true. Did they buy their own albums? Is that inflating the number? Well, they would be losing a lot of money at that point. Did they factor in returns? How many people bought that album? Because they were like, oh, like, is this like a quarterback? And then they heard it and they were like, oh, this is terrible. And then returned it to Walmart. I want my nickel back, please. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, maybe they did that thing. You know how like U2 preloaded their album onto every iPod and people freaked out and maybe like all the Zunes came with Nickelback's album. <laughs> with Nickelback. Did you have a Zune? I did not have a Zune. I had an iPod like a normal person. Actually, but, uh, one, the only person I know who had a Zune was Canadian. So this is actually starting to there you go. get some traction. Yeah, they made songs for it. They changed it around and in the commercial for Zune, it was just... Just that guy, I'm assuming his name is Chad, holding it up and going, look at this Zune. Oh, man, you're so right. His name is Chad. <laughs> it is? Yeah, his name is Chad Kroger. I feel like I actually knew that. I think you did. He was married to, was it Avril Lavigne? No, Avril Lavigne was and maybe still is married to all of Sum 41. Okay, then it was Ashley Simpson. I don't know. Either way, uh, I think we've talked way too much about Nickelback. I think we're both excited about this movie. I think we're going to have a great time watching it. I say we just watch it. All right. Well, we have just watched Chef, uh, but before we get into it, we have a quick word from one of our sponsors. This episode of We've Never Seen It is brought to you in part by Ragu. After a long day of staring at your own face on Zoom and expending all of your energy in a feeble attempt to not look like a serial killer, the last thing you want to do is cook. Don't worry. Ragu's got your back. It goes great on pasta any kind of pasta. Put it in a pot, boil it, shove it in some water and microwave the thing. We won't tell. Is it still a little hard? It's al dente. You meant to do that. Pour some ragu on it, serve it to your kids, tell them it's homemade. They won't know the difference. Now, we do want to address some of the violent heckling that we've been receiving lately from Italian Americans who say ragu isn't real sauce. What do they think this is? A video game? We assure you, it's real sauce. It may contain tomatoes. Ragu, as much as you try and doctor it up, it'll taste the same. Four cheese, tomato and basil, Italian sausage, all of our flavors, exactly the same. Ragu, eat it. I gotta say, Louis, consistency is underrated, and I don't mean the texture of the sauce. I mean just knowing that you're getting the same exact thing every time. That's what we aspire for with this podcast, right? Is We wanna be like the ragu of podcasts. No. Oh, you're Italian-American. I am an Italian-American, and I am part of that brutal heckling. I'm going to throw it out there. There's 10 different sauces that you could buy that are probably at that same price point that are way better. Just go make your own sauce. Learn how to make sauce. It's a pandemic. Everyone's growing their own tomatoes. Like, my stepmom yeah. like, grew a bunch of tomatoes, and they were making sauce over there. I'm like, awesome. Great. That's better than ragu. 
I have a stock of tomatoes and cucumbers because we just randomly planted them. And you better bet I am A, making sauce, B, before I do any of that, I'm putting two tomatoes, one on either side of that cucumber to make a dick to send to my friends. That's amore. And you know what? With the cucumbers, you can use the tomatoes and the cucumbers, and that's gazpacho, I think. I don't think anyone knows what it is. Anyways, ragu aside, what'd you think? I kind of, like, needed this movie. I don't want to say that I've been having a rough time, because I haven't. Life is pretty good. But, I don't know, I think we're all kind of, like, tired of the pandemic, and we've been, like, watching some math movies, and kind of just needed something light and fun. Yeah. At no point was there any danger or, like, more than 30 seconds of conflict. Like, everything was resolved so fast. It was just nice. Look, would this movie have been better with a little more dramatic tension that was sustained? Yes. But, you know what, Artie? Shut your stupid face you like this movie, just take it and run. That's what Feel Good Friday is about. Love it. This is your milk and cookies, man. Just sit back, enjoy the couch, and suckle on some fresh teat milk and some chocolate chip cookies. Double chunk. Oh, take me there. What do you think? I loved it. I thought that the stakes were super low. Do you see what I did there? Yeah, I did. Come on, man. I even wrote it out in the notes. I spelled it S-C-E-A-K-S. Ugh. All right. Well, Good one. That was good. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm going to put a laugh track in the editing. Can we do that? Are we that technically advanced yet? We'll figure it out. I really enjoyed it, though. I, I thought it was an amazing cast, as we kind of talked about earlier. They all did very well. They weren't just there for a paycheck. There probably wasn't much of a paycheck, so you're right. A lot of them, and we'll probably get into Avengers later, but a lot of them were probably like, hey, John, like, we'll do whatever for you. We don't care. They're buddies. But yeah, it was well-written. But there wasn't a whole lot of substance, which is almost like a paradox that it was incredibly well-written, but there wasn't anything there. But I mean, that's okay in a feel-good movie. Milk and cookies, baby. I lolled a lot. I'm still trying to incorporate that into everyday talk to make people feel stupid. It's a positive development in your vibes. Yeah. One of the things I liked the most about this, it was really genuine. It wasn't trying too hard. Honestly, it was just like shit that you hear when guys are fucking around at work. Mm -hmm. It felt unscripted. It was funny because of that. I think a lot of it was improvised, probably more than we might have thought. You know, I always think about Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace, in his book, Kitchen Confidential, and just sort of the stuff that goes on back there is pretty nuts. And it seems like working in a restaurant in the kitchen, it sounds like what it was like to work on like a pirate ship. Like, it's just <laughs> totally inappropriate and unsanitary. People and getting everyone's drunk. killed and walking the plank. and Yeah, exactly. A lot of racial humor, probably. Peg legs everywhere. Definitely. But, you know, you're right. The authenticity was there. And also, you just want to see fun, good actors having fun. And that's kind of enough. So, yeah, I'm not thinking about this movie that much. I'm not going to think about it later. I'm just going to be happy that I was there and that we did not watch Jerry Maguire. Yeah, we dodged a bullet there. Yeah, we did. But I don't think we're going to be able to dodge these bullets. And by these bullets, I mean our voicemails. Oh, man. All righty. We got some hot takes. First one is from Miguel in Easton, Pennsylvania. A repeat caller, which would probably be a repeat listener. So, Oh, he loves us. Maybe. I hope. Didn't know we had those. <laughs> I, think, I think we do. So, all right, let's take a listen. Hey, Artie. Hey, Louie. My chef hot take is that John Favreau has more chemistry with the grilled cheese sandwich than Sofia Vergara. And I think it makes more sense for them to stay divorced at the end of the film than to get back together. 
I don't disagree with the caller mm, here. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, you just look at John Favreau in that movie. He doesn't have his Avengers bod. He, yeah, the guy loves to eat some grilled cheese sandwiches, and yes. he made a sexy ass grilled cheese sandwich in that movie. So there might be some days, maybe one out of the year, where I would choose that grilled cheese sandwich over uh, Sofia Vergara's voluptuous bosom. Miguel, you're onto something here. This isn't as hot a take as we might think. Basically, he ends up getting back together with her because he brings his son along on a work trip and accidentally says, I love you to his ex-wife. And that's all she needed. But here's the thing. If he said that by accident and he's still like married to the food truck, that's bad. They're going to get divorced again. And he's going to still be eating grilled cheese sandwiches. I mean, he's going to eat grilled cheese sandwiches regardless of if they get divorced again. But yeah, it didn't make sense for them to remarry. I think that they were still friends. So there was some chemistry there, but there was never any romantic spark in that entire movie. So it was kind of out of left field. And I appreciate the call. It Mm -hmm. does kind of get my gears spinning because it's something that is probably on everyone's mind. There were two major babes in this movie. Yes. We had Scarlett Johansson. We had Sofia Vergara. Mm-hmm. You know, some people like tea, some like coffee, some just drink their Red Bull every morning. Some put all those together in a cup and then drive a truck across the country. That's what we call psychopaths. Artie, who's hotter? Oh, okay. So one qualifying question here. Are we saying in the movie based on their character or as like I'm at the Vanity Fair Oscars after party and both of them are sitting alone at the bar? Both. It could be two different answers. Okay. Well, I think then in the movie, it's obviously Sofia Vergara because ScarJo is working in a restaurant. She's got like weird funky hair and she's sleeping with her boss. It's not good. And then Sofia Vergara has like a successful business on her own and looks like Sofia Vergara normally does. So that's an easy Sofia Vergara. IRL, you know, ScarJo, closer in age to me, arguably a better actor and body of work. And ScarJo is married to Colin Jost. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, but Sofia Vergara is married to Joe Manganiello. And let me just say this. I am far closer to Colin Jost than I am Joe Manganiello on the attractiveness spectrum. No slight on Colin Jost. We're both more attractive than Colin Jost. Dude looks like a toddler. I know, and he's from Staten Island. But point being, like, I feel like I'd have a better shot with Scarlett Johansson, and she's, like, worth way more money and way more successful. Maybe not anymore, but, uh... And again, like, they're both crazy hot, and it's not worth trying to compare who's hot. What about you? Ultimately, it's probably <laughs> Sofia Vergara for me in yeah, both scenarios. The first one is obvious. Like, in the movie, she's just a better character. She's more trustworthy. And, like, she's loaded, too. So there's that. Yep. But I think it comes down to the age-old tits man or ass man debate. And you got Scarlett Johansson, who is the poster child for asses in America right now with Black Widow. Is she? Oh, yeah. Oh. They accentuate her ass. I actually just watched Black Widow recently, and there are a lot of ass shots. And then you got Sofia Vergara, who might be the poster woman for big boobs. I'm a boob guy. But I will say, in real life, Scarlett Johansson, I saw her Hot Ones episode. She is a bro. She would watch football with you on Sunday. She would house some wings. She would have some brews with the guys. She'd let you go play Call of Duty. Like, she's pretty cool, so she's making a case. Well, Sofia Vergara accepts that Joe Manganiello has a Dungeons and Dragons basement and, and has discussed this at length that she will, like, bring food and drinks down to her husband's D&D sessions. That's pretty cool. She wins. It's her. Would she play, though? Because actually, Scarlett Johansson would like play. 
I know. But then do you want her to play or do you want a little space? I'm just saying, either way, this is too tough to debate. All right. They're both hot. Yeah. If you want to weigh in, we'll put up an Instagram poll, I guess. We have an Instagram. I've told you that, but just as a reminder. With that, though, we are seeing another example of the Kevin James effect. Oh. We couldn't come to a consensus on which one of these gorgeous women was hotter. And then you got John Favreau, who is looking a little plump in this movie. Yes. That's what we can agree on, is that both of them are out of his league, except that he is so passionate. I guess it's supposed to show that someone who's really passionate about their work can punch well above their weight. Maybe chefs can punch above their weight because there was that scene where he like hypnotized Scarlett Johansson with his cooking and she was like on the couch coming. Like watching him cook, just being like, oh yeah, spin that spaghetti. Oh my God, he's adding basil. I made a really good cheeseburger the other night for my wife and she's like, I will do the dishes tonight. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) there's something to that in the average Joe's life too, you know? Yeah. After watching this movie the next night, I actually made skillet steaks for Mm. my wife and I, and I don't want to boast, but they were damn near perfect. I feel like what you're not saying is that you had the same outcome that John Favreau did. Pretty much. Yeah. I was allowed to play COD all night. That's pretty sick, dude worth it we've got one more voicemail it just says from your worst nightmare so okay hey Artie, louie the great old one here long time listener first time caller i love the show your content is top notch uh but really it's uh giving me a huge quality of life improvement uh since your show started and that's what keeps it in my everyday rotation so you might not know but i'm glenn's mom and i'm so glad to have had him out of my plane of existence you know, you gave him a job, a place to live. You did wonders for me, for Glenn and his self-esteem. You know, took over 5,000 of your puny human years, and he was still stuck at home until you finally gave him that job and let him sleep under the desk on that dog bed. And just, uh, you know, please take Glenn back. I can't have him here anymore. It's terrible. Please take him back. Thanks. All right. Well, that answers a lot of questions that I had. And to me, this voicemail really puts the spotlight on the sort of spiritual toll that this pandemic has put on all of these families that are forced to work from home together. Because, I mean, dang or damn, I should say. Does Glenn sleep here? Did you know about this? I I mean, it's more like we did at one point. What's this we stuff? All right, so... You've always had a soft spot for him. You let him sleep in the studio. I wouldn't say if it's a soft spot. It's like a glaring blind spot. This is explaining so many things. I would come in in the morning. We would fight because all of my flaming Hot Cheetos were gone when I had half a bag when I left the night before. And you took the blame for some of that shit. Okay, but it was either that or pay him. And you said paying him was not an option. No. We have to offer consideration. So you offered my flaming Hot Cheetos? I did not offer those. Those were not a part of the deal. When we found the fudgesicle in the break room microwave, was that Glenn? I don't know about the fudge school thing. What was he doing at night? Presumably he was sleeping. I mean, I don't Look, we'll check the tapes. And look, I'm happy to put the kibosh on all of this now. But we do have to pay him. No, we don't. Well, thanks, Glenn's mom.
All right, so we've made it through the voicemails. Can we just talk for a minute about food porn and just how good all this food looked? I was so hungry throughout the course of the movie, and I had yeah. just eaten dinner. You're seeing all of these just crazy gourmet-looking meals. Like, even the stuff he prepares at home, like he makes a sandwich for his kid, and it's just like the best-looking sandwich you've ever seen mm-hmm. in your life. Ugh. I mean, obviously it was all real, right? And it says food prepared for the shoot was eaten by the cast and crew after filming. Wow. Dang. If there was ever a movie to be like an extra in, oh man, this would have been it. That's why all those actors did it. Oh, I'm sure. Did it say anything about who was cooking for them? Like, I'm sure they had some amazing chef in there. Uncredited, probably. So that's a bummer. I know Jon Favreau can cook. I mean, if he could also cook like that, no wonder Sofia Vergara married him. Oh, yeah. I actually watched a spinoff of this called The Chef Show. And Jon Favreau can cook, but he's like a hobbyist. Mm -hmm. He's a guy who likes to learn how to cook and goes around and visits with chefs and kind of learns some tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. But definitely a food porn mecca. I'll have to check that out. I definitely love cooking and I love eating. Like Jon Favreau, I'm like a hobbyist, but I like being able to whip up something that's pretty delicious without having to look anything up. What's your go-to? What's your favorite thing to cook at home? Um, I would say that I've put a lot of effort during the pandemic into comfort food. I don't necessarily need to be able to make the most complicated things, but I want people to be excited when I bring food that everybody likes. So I got real good at breakfast burritos. Obviously, you know, the fried egg, you got the cheese, you got the protein of some kind. But what I love to do is take tater tots and bake them with Lowry season salt. And then I use that as like the potato and then I wrap it up. And the key with the breakfast burrito Nobody really does this, is you have to microwave the tortilla for about 10 seconds so it gets soft, wrap it, and then in a totally dry pan, put it in the pan folded, and that's where you get, like, you know when you go to Taco Bell and, like, the burritos have, like, a little crispiness on the top and the bottom? Yeah, and you melt all the ingredients together. I got like that. Make a mean chili. Really good at cheeseburgers. Yeah, I would say those are my main things. How about you? I make a mean meatball. I can make meatballs like no other. I can make my own sauce, family recipe. It's very good. I'm big into zucchini and or eggplant lasagnas. So you'll have to uh, have me make one of those for you. Can I ask a question about the meatballs? No. What beef blend do you use? Tell me about the breadcrumbs, eggs. And I don't need to know, like, I'm not looking for secrets, but like, how do you approach the meat blend? What's in it, you know? Depends on my audience. Um, I have done turkey balls before. They're not my preference. If I'm going all out, a little bit of ground pork, bunch of ground beef. I don't use breadcrumbs. I don't like them. I think they're filler. I'd say the most common meatballs I do, though, are half beef, half turkey, just because I am conscious of my uh, diet. Yeah. But yeah, the meatballs are... (laughs) (laughs) That was a chef's kiss. I feel like we've all got things that are right in our wheelhouse. And Jon Favreau had all these things in his wheelhouse. But then when he went to come up with the food truck, it was suddenly Cuban sandwiches because his sous chef, John Leguizamo, was Cuban or something and knew how to make those sandwiches. And he just kind of went with it. But I'm kind of interested as to like, why did they settle on the Cuban sandwich? You know how Ratatouille at the end? I don't. I never saw that movie. Oh. (laughs) Keep going, though. Can I spoil part of this movie? It's a rat and he cooks. No, it's so much more than that. Dude, it's Patton Oswalt as a rat. It's incredible. All right. So, (laughs) okay. 
basically the food that we eat as kids that our parents make and that is like cult like you know what those things are they're special at the end of ratatouille the food critic comes in and he's a real d-bag not unlike what happens in chef and to impress this critic the rat makes ratatouille which is what the reviewer ate as a poor child in france or something and it's simple and it's perfect and it's beautiful. It gets him right in the feels. And he's like, I haven't felt this way since I was a little boy. This is why I review food. And I just feel like that was an opportunity to add a little bit of substance was to pick a dish. Something that John Favreau's character was close to would have been a little bit better, I think. Yeah, I think that grilled cheese is something that he clearly makes for his kid a lot. He did say he used to eat those growing up. That would have been good. I think there were a couple of other types of food they could have done in the food truck that would have been more appropriate. Yep. I think that grilled cheese would have been great. There's actually a place in Boston called Roxy's Grilled Cheese. Mm -hmm. It is spectacular, and that's all they have. It's grilled cheese. Some of them they put pulled pork in. They, they just make them all different. Yep. That's going to sell. People are going to love that. Out of a truck, especially. Oh, yeah. Any kids food that you make adult, you could do chicken tenders, but make them like fancier. People would love that. I'm partial to a burger or a taco truck. Yeah. Once you get out of Miami, certain parts of the country, I feel like Cuban sandwiches aren't going to appeal as much. Most Americans, given the choice between burger, pizza, tacos, Cuban sandwich, the majority of them aren't going Cuban sandwich. At the same time, I think if a renowned food truck shows up, you don't care what it is. You just want to get in line. I care what it is. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. Cuban sandwich kind of out of nowhere. I think the grilled cheese, especially if like he and his son made them together, that would have made the movie quite sweet. By the way, just a free tip for everybody out there. If you want to make a grilled cheese that would seduce Scarlett Johansson, do not butter the bread. Put mayo on the bread. Oh. That's all I'll say. Mayo the outside of the bread and thank me later. I'll try that. There's no not weird way to say this. Okay. Everyone has a food that you look at a great version of that food mm -hmm. and you get an immediate boner or lady boner. Okay. For me, that's a burger. Yep. You see a burger that's like perfect. The cheese is gooey. It's dripping down. You see the glistening tomato and lettuce. You see the char of the beef and, patty. Oh, it gets me going. I need to sit down and put a pillow on my lap at that point. <laughs> I don't think anyone would say that with a Cuban sandwich. You're absolutely right. For me, that dish, when I see it and I, I'm like, I need it, I turn into like primate. I'm just like a total devolved animalistic version of myself. I just have to have it is a chicken parmesan. Yeah. Chicken parm, I found there's a lot of variants. Yes. And I've cracked the code. If you're going to pass me a thick piece of chicken, I'm out. Just get out. Thin, like schnitzel. Yep, same piece. Hammered out, tenderized, breaded, fried. But yeah, no, I mean, a thick piece of chicken. What? No. You need to maximize the surface area of the breading that can touch the sauce and cheese. I went to a restaurant in the North End recently. And for those of you who aren't from Boston, have never been to Boston, the North End of Boston is the Italian district. Right. The North End has so many Italian restaurants, bakeries, you name it. You almost can't go wrong. Went to one restaurant and I ordered the chicken parm. The waitress brought it to me. I looked at it, looked at her, and she gave me a nod like, yeah, I know. 
It was like the <laughs> thickest piece of chicken I've ever seen. Oh, no. I will not go back to that establishment. Do you want to shame them publicly or no? I'm not going to shame them publicly. Okay. But in general, if you're a restaurant in the North End and you serve a thick chicken parmesan, like you should probably evaluate your team and your process. Yeah, don't do that. Now I want a chicken parmesan or a cheeseburger, but taking a look at another major theme of this movie, in addition to the food, and I'm literally salivating right now, so I'm... Me too. Let's move on to something <laughs> that is a lot less erotic. Let's talk about divorce. Oh, yeah. That's, that was definitely an abrupt turn. You know, this movie reminded me a lot of Liar Liar, where Jim Carrey is like moving so fast and his ex-wife is like, can you just spend some time with your son? And, and he's like, that's ah, fine. He gets it. And he thinks he can bullshit his kid and you can't. And that bothers me a lot. My parents got divorced, but I give both my parents a lot of credit for doing the best they could to spend as much time with me as they could. I feel like one of the things that was kind of upsetting about this movie, it was like he's not a good dad until he's happy and fulfilled at work. You know, you can go in a lot of directions there, but like most people are not happy or fulfilled at work, which begs the question, <laughs> right? Should you be able to draw enough happiness from your family to get by or do you need it from work? I always think about that scene in The Simpsons where Homer has like the, you know, he's got the nuclear console and Homer hates his job such that the plot of The Simpsons is almost always Homer has a new job that's not his current job. And he's got that picture of Maggie and it says, do it for her. Exactly. I think about that a lot. I mean, like he had a good job and he it was repeatable and he wasn't spending any time with his son. And like, if I'm his son, I'm like, okay, dad, like you need to be totally turned on by your job to like be happy and fulfilled and be a good parent to me. I don't get that. He was a bad dad. He was like LeBron in that way. He was really bad dad. <laughs> Um, I think LeBron was a worse dad than John Favreau. Yeah, LeBron was like, don't be a nerd. Don't yeah. use computers. It's like, okay, LeBron, like, chill out. And John Favreau's kid still loved him. LeBron's kid, like, tried to kill him, was on the fence. He was like, yeah. I don't know if I love my dad. It's like, I'm going to delete you, dad. And yeah. I was like, do it, do it, please do it. Yeah, Don Cheadle is more of a father than you ever could be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, it does beg that question. And I'm one of those people who I like what I do. But end of the day, if I won the lottery tomorrow and never had to work another day in my life, I would go spend every waking moment with my family and my friends. Like, that's why I do what I do. Yeah. I think there's like a sort of noble sacrifice in working to provide. But now that I think about it, his kid wasn't depending on him because Sofia Vergara made more money than him and had that all figured out. So what was this guy doing? Like, if anything, he should have been like, okay, his mom is paying for his clothing and books and like video game camp or whatever. So I need to be the fun dad. And he couldn't even do that. By the way, Sofia Vergara is loaded in this movie. If it's a matter of like he values his passion of cooking more than he values his family, you can have both, dude. This guy is in a position where he could be a stay-at-home dad. He could cook all day, every day for his son. He could also probably have like a side hustle, whether it's like a food blog or whatever. Like he didn't need to really prioritize being a chef at a certain restaurant. He could have done so many things. Yeah. I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> I Yeah. I mean, he clearly was onto something great. He could have been a stay at home dad. So if you ever and just cooked for his kid, Sofia Vergara could have just made the money. But you know what? I give him credit for being passionate. I just feel like there was a line and he crossed it, went too far and became obsessed with his art and ultimately he was still Dustin Hoffman's little bitch. <laughs> the final thing that I could pick nits with, I think when he gives his 10-year-old son a beer, that's too young. I disagree. 10 is too young for a beer, but he gave him a sip and he was very explicit. He said, hey, you worked all day. You deserve a sip. 
he also didn't give him a beer. He gave him a cerveza, dude. Like, he knew it was a shit beer, and they acknowledged <laughs> that. He knew the kid was just going to spit it out. Okay, I got to say, though, cervezas, like a, a Mexican lager, really hits the spot. Sometimes. Sometimes, right. But especially if you've just been, like, working your ass off, and it's hot. Remember, the Anthony Bourdain quote, the best beer is a cold beer. Nothing else matters at that point if you're exhausted. It matters. Have you ever had a Corona without a lime? Yes. Okay. Do you know why every single one of their marketing campaigns involves putting a lime in the Corona? No. Why? There's a reason why breweries use brown glass. It does not let a lot of light in. Clear glass, like Corona uses, Mm -hmm. lets a ton of light in, and it skunks the beers. Every single Corona that you've had in a bottle is skunked before you open it. That's why they want you to put a lime in it to totally take over the flavor so that you're drinking lime with slight hint of beer. I mean, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's good trivia to like make someone feel bad about their beer choice. And I'm definitely going to drop that on somebody when they are drinking a Corona without a lime. Oh, you should. Cervezas, though, that could also include Presidente, right, which is brown glass or a can, a Negro Modelo, Tecate, which is not a good beer, but hits the spot. Hey, Louie, what about a Red Stripe? I mean, I would put that in the Cerveza category. Just a good crushable. No, Red Stripe is very different. It is a Jamaican lager. It is a style all their own. Very unique. I think that it is fantastic. I think that it is a beautiful, crisp beer. Everyone should enjoy it. Fair enough. I love Red Stripe so much that I have a wooden carved Red Stripe bottle on my desk. Did you buy that in Jamaica? Oh my God. It's my favorite. I went to Six Flags yesterday, and that's the first time I've been to a Six Flags like since senior skip day of high school, so you can drink there, <laughs> which I didn't know. And they had Red Stripe. I almost got one because I was thinking about you. But they had Bud Light Limes and Aluminum Bottles. And let me tell you, BLLs and roller coasters are like the best combination. And uh, <laughs> dude, they're like 4% alcohol, and like it was pretty solid. We have a friend. We were out at a restaurant. He orders a Bud Light Lime with a lime. He actually told the waitress, uh, yeah, can I have a Bud Light Lime with a lime? <laughs> and God bless her, she brought it to him. But she stared at him for a little while. But maybe she thought that he was attractive or weird. I mean, One of the he two. is. He's got that European swagger. Yes. Plus, he's like met a bunch of soccer players. So That's right. And he wears enough soccer stuff that like you might think he's a soccer player. No, that's a lot of lime. But respect for BLLs. All in all, again, great movie. I think we both really enjoyed it. I think I'm really going to enjoy striking you here in the lightning round. Um, so, Artie, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions here. Quick succession. Give me your gut reactions. And away we go. All right, let's do it. One through 10, one being not at all, 10 being very. How hungry did this movie make you? Eight. Really? Only an eight? Only eight? That's a lot. Like 10 is like, I don't even think I've ever been at a 10. Eight is like haven't eaten all day. And I think I was eating dinner while we were watching this. So like overall pretty good. Okay. I ran to my cupboard to get whatever I could get my hands on. And it was not satisfying. Okay. So it wasn't a Snickers. Yeah, probably like a Corona or something. Warm Corona from my pantry. 
Yikes. Okay. Did it inspire you to cook? And what did you make? So I have been cooking a little bit more since that movie. So I've been making, you know, obviously my breakfast burritos. Um, I made chicken yasa recently. I've made it a few times. Chicken yasa is an African dish. And uh, I'm a big fan of it. Basically, you take dark meat chicken and sliced onions and you marinate them in like lemon juice and apple cider vinegar and garlic and Dijon mustard. And then you cook the onions in the chicken juice. There's a lot of onions and you make room for the onions and you put the chicken back in the pan and then you cover it with onions and then you put one habanero pepper like then you serve that with like couscous. It's really good. Sounds amazing. I tried my hand at chorizo paella Mm. and it was a panty dropper. Um, uh-huh. So much so that my wife made me go get the ingredients again, and we're adding shrimp this time too. So definitely a good one. Like a little gumbo influence too, if you got the shrimp and the chorizo, like andouille type thing. Like, but yeah, nice little dish there. So Artie, how many Cubans could you house? Uh, I've got the spare bed and then the couch and a blow up mattress. God damn it! So God prob- damn it! Surely you knew I would do that. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um. So there was a Cuban restaurant down the street. They made like decent Cuban sandwiches. Honestly, like I love Cuban food, but the Cuban sandwich is not my favorite. I could eat one really good Cuban sandwich, and I would just want other Cuban food along with that. What if your life depended on it? How many Cuban sandwiches could you put down? How many do I need to eat to survive? You know, like that's it's case by case. <laughs> if they're like, eat as many as you can or we'll kill you. I'll be like, oh, I ate two. I'm full. But you're telling me like <laughs> I need to eat five. I will do it. I'll find a way. All right. But you think you top out at five? Are we talking like the little foot long sort of things? Yeah. Uh, I remember I ate two sweet onion chicken teriyaki double meat foot longs once. And I feel like Cuban sandwiches, if they're pressed, you know, I could probably eat four. Okay, fair enough. What is the best movie snack? Uh, movie theater or in general? Anywhere. Dealer's choice. Okay, that's tough. So popcorn is great, but like I actually avoid it because popcorn tastes delicious, but after like 10 minutes, it becomes hell. I like Junior Mints and I like Twizzlers, okay. which are very unconventional movie snacks. Twizzlers are great. I'm a Sour Patch Kids guy myself. I do like Red Vines more than Twizzlers. Oh, same. Yeah, but I'll go with what I got. But at home for a movie snack, I just want a pizza, man. Just order pizza, watch a movie, maybe some wings. That's it. Like that. What's your strategy in a hot dog eating contest? The strategy is... Hmm. Are you a chewer or do you just let it slide down your gullet? Uh, okay, actually, so this is interesting. I've never thought about this, but I do like the technique of... Because you have to eat the buns, right? Yeah. Okay, so the mashing of the buns in there, you know, with the water and making little balls, like I've seen them do that. That I think makes sense. A standard size hot dog? Louis, how many bites does it take to eat one hot dog? Three. I can do three bites. I don't need to chew a ton just enough to get it down for each bite, but I can't swallow those things whole. That is too much. I think it's gross. So I would I would do light chewing three to four bites. You're right. It's a snack, right? Like I don't get it when people are like, oh, I had a hot dog for dinner. I'm like, that's like a couple bites. You gotta have at least like six hot dogs to feel anything. Right. I mean, I love the hot dog and cheeseburger combo. I want both on my plate with some corn and some like potato salad and shit. All right, last question. What is more important? School or sandwiches? Sandwiches. Sandwiches. You heard the man. I'm not saying drop out of school because there are sandwiches at school, okay? A lot of them. (laughs) And you can bring your own sandwiches if you don't know where you're going to get a sandwich from at school. But what I'm (laughs) saying is I thought I learned a lot in school. I didn't learn how to make a good sandwich. 
if I can make a good sandwich, I could go further in life than like if I could do calculus or something. You know what I'm saying? Like sandwiches are more important. In general, food is more important than school. I've never used calculus made so many sandwiches. They're like, oh, it's really about the problem solving and conceptually. Like, I don't even know what problems I solved or what the concept is behind calculus. But what I can tell you is that making a good sandwich is a pathway to a career and calculus is for nerds. Hey, sandwiches are about problem solving. You are now out of pickles. What other thing can you use to make your sandwich taste delicious? Banana peppers. There you go. There it is. It's critical thinking. If I didn't have pickles, and most people don't have banana peppers, I'm gonna find some red onions, some vinegar, some salt, some lime, a little seasoning, and I'm gonna make quick pickled onions. Love it. You need the crunch and you need the acidity and you can get those things from onions. You act fast. Can't learn that in calculus. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, please. This is the best <laughs> lightning round I've ever been a part of and I thank you. Thank you. Well, fortunately and unfortunately, the lightning round being over means that we mm -hmm. are almost done with our podcast. Last quick hit, did this movie pass the Bechdel test? The answer is a resounding no, because I don't think there's a point where two female characters talk to one another. No, just not at all. Sofia Vergara and her maid don't even talk. They just yell up the stairs at each other. Yeah, that was the closest we got, and they didn't talk to each other. Well, that's a shame. But still... As far as movies are concerned, it's a really good movie. Chef, go check it out. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Real easy watch. It was only like an hour and a half. We thoroughly enjoyed it. Gets the uh, we've never seen its stamp of approval. Yes. Critics, audiences, and we agree. Good movie. What are we watching next time? Pitch perfect. Anna Kendrick is in it, and she is a saucy lass. So uh, we'll see what happens there. And it's a musical, so you're going to love it. Oh, God. <laughs> it's not a musical. Isn't it a show about or a movie about like acapella singers? So it makes sense. Yes. Contextually, the music is appropriate. You're right. So you'll be fine. There we go. All right. Well, we'll find out. We'll watch it. In the meantime, thanks for joining. Mm -hmm.